Welcome to Seymour, podcast about movies and TV. I'm Joan Gonzalez, and this week's episode is a special one. Now, I know I basically say that every week, but this is our first episode about a stand-up special. Over the last year, I've become really fascinated with the medium and the way that these incredibly brave people present themselves, not just through the jokes they tell, but how they represent those jokes from both a structural and a visual standpoint. One of the best examples of presentation in comedy is Dimitri Martin. If you're unfamiliar with Dimitri Martin, he's an incredibly diverse comedian. He's also an actor, director, cartoonist, musician, and each skill set is put to great use in his latest special, The Overthinker. His calm demeanor may disguise his incredible range. So, for example, one second he'll tell a clever, nonchalant punchline, and then in the next second he'll perform a musical number with incredible charisma. With his latest special, The Overthinker, Dimitri utilizes all of his different talents and applies them in a tight, cohesive set that consistently excites and structurally changes the way I'm used to consuming stand-up comedy. I'm joined by Kevin De Los Santos, co-founder of Cesspool and stand-up special binger. If you don't believe me, just check out his letterbox. Let's get right into the conversation, and as always, no spoilers. Kevin? Kev? What do you what do you go by these days? Uh K E V. Yeah, that's Kev. Kev. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for being on. I you are like the silent suit. I always talk about the suits. Yeah, I, I tend to wear the camouflage suit. I just stay in the bushes, you know. Why? What do you things? Wait, so what do you do? What do you do in the bushes? You know, I just overlook things, see what's going on. Um from a distance. From a distance. I keep my mouth shut. But I just give the other suits or the other suit guy. Um, I don't know what you call him. We call him Jack. He was on here for our Good Time episode. Yeah, my favorite episode. Nothing biased, you know? <laughs> really? Oh, so what did yeah. you think of last week's episode? Uh, the <laughs> second part of the suits wasn't in it, so it wasn't my favorite. That's um, fair. That's totally fair. But I'm glad you're on on this one because this is probably the most unorthodox episode, and it's something you and I have been talking about for a while. This is a we're doing a, a stand up comedy show. Mm-hmm. Kev, a lot of people, right? A lot of a lot of hate. I, I'm already gonna go ahead and get in front of it. A lot of people confused. They're like, "Hey, this isn't a film. Why is this on the show?" Kevin, explain to the people why we should hold these stand up presentations to that same standard as we do filmmakers yeah i mean that's a good point you say that and i believe this stand-up that we're going to be talking about particularly Mm. is completely different than your traditional bright stage black background and just talking there's a little bit of art behind this stand-up and different forms we're going to get to it um i don't know if We've announced it or named it yet, so I'm like trying not to spoil what we're talking about. <laughs> well, I've definitely said it in the introduction, but oh, yes, yeah, this did. is this is Dimitri Martin's The Overthinker, and this was a Netflix special. This came out in 2018, and I'll be honest, this is the first Dimitri Martin you know special that I've seen, mm. and now I'm a huge fan. Yeah, he's a character that you don't really see often in stand up. I think this is my first stand-up special from him as well. 
I am aware of his work, though. He had this show on Comedy Central. I don't even know how long ago. Yeah. I want to say in the mid to late 2000s, which consisted of something similar. He likes to draw a lot. He likes to make songs. Um, it was pretty much a skit show, just um, in the same way that Key and Peele did their skit shows, but obviously with his own take and style. Yeah. So he had the important things with Dimitri Martin, mm-hmm. and that was the TV series from 2009 to 2010. Yeah. So you're you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it was super quirky. And when you see him, you can tell he, he has like a lot of that uh, awkward humor. Very dry. Very dry. He just kind of sets his line and awkwardly waits for you to laugh. And it works. Like, I love it. Yeah. Um, he, he also has that like Paul Rudd thing where he like does an age. <laughs> he's 45. I didn't know that. Dude, is, seriously, like he's looked the same ever since I, <laughs> I'm just aware of him. And I don't know if you agree, but I think he looks like Ray Romano, I believe is his name. Yeah. So much. Yeah, I can see that. Like they could be family. I know they're not, but. Yeah, and a little bit of context for this episode and why you're the perfect guest for this is that we follow each other on Letterboxd. Great app. I always plug it. It's where I log my my films. And and you have seen the most stand-up specials <laughs> that I've ever seen. Like half of your filmography is just stand-up specials. And I know this because every time I watch a stand-up special, like it could be anything. <laughs> Only one of the people I follow have seen it before me and it's always you and it's me right yeah damn that's crazy i didn't even like know that that was a thing yeah you're like that i'm like the guy that watches stand-up you're the guy that watches stand-up <laughs> and we've never um, had this conversation before we get into why we think this special kind of stands mm-hmm. out amongst the rest or can appeal to someone who doesn't usually watch stand-up specials mm-hmm. What do you look for in a good special? You've seen a lot of them. Is is it just the escape, the, the comedy? I feel like stand-up specials are so easy to watch and there's so many of them and they're so easily accessible. What do you always look mm-hmm. for in a good stand-up? I'm looking to get away, I guess, like you said. Oh, it's got dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like having a tough day, I just want to sit back and just listen to something like, I'm not a harsh critic when it comes to stand-ups, just make me giggle or smile every now and then, and I think I'll enjoy it. And sometimes, um, I've even watched a few, like, in front of my girlfriend, and she's like, you're not even laughing at this. Like, why are you watching it? And I'm like, I'm still enjoying it. (laughs) That I'm not laughing, it doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it. I like everything different. I like Dimitri because he's awkward and different. I like Bill Burr because he's chaotic and loud, and I like a little bit of everything. It just opens my mind up to different styles of humor and different ways to think and i don't know stand-up comedians are kind of good at that they bring up topics and subjects that one would probably not talk about on the regular basis and absolutely find them pretty entertaining and humanize them a little bit right right exactly and so this specific episode you know, we're not qualified to talk about like the jokes and, and like how the jokes were, like how punchy they are. We're just going to talk <laughs> about the presentation. And I think that's something that Dimitri excels in. Mm-hmm. You said it. He was on the show, on his 2010 show, The Important Things with Dimitri. Mm-hmm. He was both the creator and the writer. Right. So he's really good at kind of putting these visions together. And he actually co-directed this special. And the only reason he didn't solely direct it is because there's a new rule that you can't direct, that you can't have like sole credit 
uh, for as the director if you're the one on stage. Low key, I kind of agree with that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I understand that this is all your vision, but somehow you got to give credit to someone else that's kind of in charge of doing the things that you can't while you're on stage. Yeah. But I understand both sides of the spectrum. But I respect it. And it makes total sense that he has that kind of that vision is truly his or at least half his in this sense. <laughs> right. And he's so good at it. Like, I feel like this is for sure. Like top five when it comes to stand up specials for me. Wow. Yeah. Just because of that. I wouldn't say that it's mostly because of the jokes, but everything else is so well done and just and, works cohesively. And, yeah. And it was kind of hard to. If we were talking about it, doing research for this was mostly comprising of like looking up some old interviews. And he did a really good interview with Forbes. And that's where we kind of got most of our, most of the stats, even mm. though I guess they're not really stats, but <laughs> he kind of talked about the process of, you know, his approach for this special. So he clearly has an eye and like a vision for presentation. And I feel like this stand up. Just from a visual standpoint, let's talk about it. It's a very minimalistic kind of very. approach. Flat crimson background. It looks very clean. It'll often split screen with art or drawings or paintings. It's not very vibrant, so the lights aren't reflecting off of them. It's, it looks very flat and matte, sort of. And it's very appealing. It's a very minimalistic kind of like almost Wes Anderson sort of like a Right. That's a good way to put it. Like... I don't know if you've brought this up to your listeners and fans before, but you're into photography, you and your brother. Yeah. And while looking at this, it kind of reminds me of some photos you guys take. You guys oh, like yeah. that flat background, somewhat muted colors, like pastel-like. Um, Definitely. And it's a very studio-like of a stage from him that not a lot of performers like to use or have ever used when it comes to stand-up yeah and yeah it's almost like some sort of simplistic setup art form even like yeah the stool and the water cup how they place it i'm sure you could take like a very dope photo of it and it would look like someone set it up in some studio somewhere but no it feels very calculated everything so precise yeah yeah there's just sort of like something very like visually artistic about it even Watching it, and I admittedly before watching this hadn't seen a lot of stand-up specials, like like some pretty dope set design for like just one man on stage, you know, make it visually dynamic. And it also, before I forget, it looks the way his jokes sound. It's like <laughs> yes. very specific to, I yes. see, I've, you know, a lot of these stand-up specials are on these like rock and roll stages or right right they go to a location that's very near and dear to their heart but i don't feel necessarily reflects the nature of their jokes and this sounds like he says that you know he's like a hyper analyst he's always just kind of like spinning his wheels asking himself why he gets stuck on one-liners or why he likes jokes so much and like right you know something that we've never even questioned and that kind of like bare bones sort of edge that he has is is simulated pretty well like from like a visual standpoint right like the whole thing is like super casual but i'm sure it's not yeah yeah like even to the way he's dressed super simple it's like dark jeans black top and a jacket it's super simple but it is him and it fits so perfectly definitely 
And apart from the set, I think there are three components here that break up the traditional stand-up flow, mm. I guess. He uses VO voiceovers. He uses mm-hmm. like paintings. He uses uh, he plays music on stage. And I know this has right. been experimented before in the past with Bo Burnham does a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but he does it in a way that is so uniquely him. Right. And he'll have VO where like he's just standing on stage. He'll he'll be like, oh man, let me do this mic flip. And he'll like do it. And he's like, yeah, nailed it. Like something like that. <laughs> it's just like very fun. Yeah, it's like some weird breaking of the fourth wall where he's connected to the person viewing it, but not necessarily in the moment. Like whoever was in the theater is not aware of any of this. But if you're catching this later on, like on Netflix or wherever, you're like in his thoughts with him. Yeah. Yeah, it just works so well. I don't know if this works as a spoiler since, you know, this is a spoiler free podcast. Always. There's this joke where he's like, oh, maybe (laughs) I could use a mic stand for this. And he does a little action and then he goes, oh, no, that's not my style. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it cuts back to like the regular stand up. Yeah. And that's like something I've never seen on a stand up special. Definitely. Something that you could see in a movie, but for sure not on stand up. It's evolved from things he used to do in the past so there's been like a gradual evolution to this he said in 2006 during his first hour he would do like subtitles and stuff mm. so it's funny how like he's come a long way and like vo is just the natural progression of like using subtitles to to punch up jokes in a way that you couldn't do otherwise if not on like camera right and on this one we see it in a few different ways like, he does pop in subtitles, like, three or four times throughout just to, like, heighten the joke or put a little extra hot sauce on the joke. We also see that sometimes he says a joke, and like you mentioned earlier, the, um, the screen splits, yeah. and it shows, like, a graphic that he drew, and it's supposed to, like, make the joke even funnier. I think it happened once where he said a joke, and the screen split again, but on the side, it actually said other jokes that can work in the same format. Yeah, yeah, and it presents a bunch of other jokes. And it presents a bunch of other jokes that you could be laughing at while he's, like, finishing the joke on the other end. And that's insane. Yeah. That's like you're getting different styles and different types of jokes at the same time. Yeah, and I love that awareness of, like, well, this is on camera, on film. We can use different um, techniques that wouldn't be available to us if I was just doing a stand-up at a bar or like a free, right, or right. like an open mic. And he said that in order to get those shots of him just like hanging out or just like standing still while the VO is going on, he had to sacrifice some jokes. So there are jokes mm-hmm. that we don't see that have a lot of lulls in them. And then he like <laughs> just like repurposed that footage, like really mm-hmm. smart. And it really shows his director side of like directors like or cinematographers like steal moments. Right. Like when when you're filming or you've done your fair share of filming, too, like when you're out in public or something like you steal a scene or you steal something in the Mm. moment. This really reminded me on that, like while I'm on stage, let me just do something that while it may seem weird to the audience or this joke, maybe like it might be like a lesser joke. I'm going to repurpose it to use it later. It's just so great. It's like using up like all of your resources and taking full advantage of the platform that Netflix gave him. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, I'm sure he... (laughs) fully used all that to his advantage and no yeah like you said he repurposed that like in a way that 
that's where maybe you question giving him full credit as a director. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's brilliant. So you brought up some of the art and the paintings that came up and not only did it break up the visual tension, but yet presenting mm-hmm. other jokes that could otherwise be like he had the donut hole joke <laughs> where he would show a visual. Yeah. Again, not spoiling it, but it was just something that could only work with a visual. He's actually written books. So he's written three mm-hmm. books. One of them was like essays and short stories. The second book was drawings and this third one was drawings as well. So he's really utilizing all of his different skill sets. He has a unique, like he's a pretty talented artist. Dude, in so many levels. <laughs> Outside of the drawings and just the way he thinks, he has the music aspect to his stand-up. Yeah. Which is different than what we see in like Bo Burnham, who's pretty successful with that. Um, he's now a director himself, making his own films in eighth grade. But yeah. Dimitri does it in a different way where Bo Burnham makes a song themed on something with a bunch of punchlines in it. Dimitri is kind of just playing music and giving you like three minutes of one-liners back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. Every joke maybe just as good as the other, you know. I wonder if we'll see him direct mm -hmm. a movie at some point, take that step and like do something on... Because I know that's definitely like an interest of his. Oh, yeah, for sure. On the point of him, his like paintings and drawings, he said that he he loves to incorporate drawings because you can communicate ideas really efficiently and economically. Line drawings are great for that because you can distill an idea down to a little scene or just like a few lines. Mm -hmm. And he said that like when you do that stuff, like, you know, when he flips through his drawings you can dictate the pace and the order so you just like flip around Mm. in the book that drove him to like try these like little books like on stage yeah i mean the way he thinks is so different which is why we're obviously like talking about this special yeah he just has a way of making even the simplest of things seem outrageous or like well like i could have thought of that but (laughs) he got to it and he did it so much better it's almost like those memes and like gifs of like pothead jokes yeah it's like you smoke something and you think of like oh why is this called this or this not that blah 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 and i don't know dimitri (laughs) through drawings kind of does that and yeah absolutely so i want to bring up just a small point we do talk about how great these aspects help the stand-up routine flow and that's something that he really had to hone because during his earlier years of trying this stuff out he was worried that it would disrupt the rhythm of the stand-up show Mm. but he says in the forbes article that like then you become very aware that you're filming something that this is a tv production and he looked at it from that angle so whereas maybe it doesn't flow too well in like a live audience setting this is an edit like you, you kind of edit the flow, you, you know, you dictate the flow in the editing room. So that self-awareness, I feel like for a lot of other specials, the comedians just go up there and like do what they do. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's got that like inside baseball knowledge of what happens after the recording helps him dictate how to go about things on stage, which sounds like an obvious thing, but that foresight, I think really translates. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that definitely works to his advantage. I don't know, like you did say, I don't know that it is good if you're trying to go watch him live. I'm sure you'll still enjoy it. And maybe he goes about it differently when it is 
just like right. watching him live. No, yeah, like with the voiceover and stuff, this is jokes and content that you're not really getting when you're there live. Yeah. And it is for sure can account for like five to 10% of like the joke or the humor when it comes to the special yeah. that you're not getting when you're there live. But again, he's like thinking of it in a different way as a director. Like he's not just thinking about it there and people's reaction to it. He's thinking about it when it comes to like the editing room and like how it's going to be after it's all said and done and edited and put together. Absolutely. And let's go through the last segment of you know what I think he brings to the table and what I haven't seen in a lot of different specials, which is the music part of it. This one's a little less rare. We see, you know, we mentioned Bo Burnham does it. Adam Sandler did it in his hundred uh, percent fresh. I recently saw that one. He had a lot of funny, like little songs that he did. I'm sure you, I think you saw it. I haven't. That's one of the oh, ones is that the I one? Yes. Seen. I beat you to it. <laughs> you did. And that one's interesting too, because it's actually like shot. They shoot a bunch of different stand-up routines and then they like edit them together. Mm. So like it's like a bunch of different sets, kind of like back to back to back by gotcha. the joke almost. Oh wow. So I think you might enjoy that one. That one does something interesting with the flow of it too. But mm. Dimitri says that like growing up, his dad was a music lover. That was like definitely a direct result of his taste and his love for music, obviously. And he's the kind of person who now likes to have music on while he's working. And it seems to help him think and solve problems. And the way he writes jokes is to dig deeper into sort of like the mundane everyday, just like keep asking why, why, why. The music seems to like help fuel those jokes. And then I guess that kind of works like vice versa. So there's this cool little like relationship that he has with the music. It helps him write the jokes and then the jokes help write like punchy songs. And yeah, so that's really cool. Oh yeah, that's amazing. How his brain works like that is it's incredible. I don't think I'd be able to, but... Yeah, it just makes sense. Like if you're working, making jokes while listening to music and it just flows well, then why not play that music while yeah. you're telling the jokes and makes them stand out even more. And he started bringing a guitar or a keyboard on stage like around 99, 2000. He found there was a value in setting a tone, a rhythm to certain jokes that he could use music as sort of like the vessel to do that. And then once he learned how to deliver jokes while being able to score the set. It was great because it opened up like another way to deliver one-liners. So again, it's all just kind of like the music, the the art, the VO, they all help fuel the mm -hmm. jokes and they all sort of like dictate the pace a little bit. He can mm -hmm. kind of, he kind of has full range and control depending on what kind of song it is, what kind of painting it is, like the VO. It's a very introspective moment. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like slows things down and a song will pick it back up. So he gets to really like play around with it and he's become quite the master at this. Right. I think it's incredible that you just said 99, which means yeah. that this dude's been at it pretty much two decades, like 20 years. This dude is a vampire. He does not age. He, yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's had I a very know. fruitful career. That's one of those like, don't ever give up. Look at how long it took this guy to like redefine and just work on his craft to get to this beautiful piece of stand-up. Yeah, it's pretty so, inspiring. Yeah, keep working at it and you'll be one day a master at it. Maybe one day Cesspool is going to be, hey, you keep on that podcast stuff. Hey, 19 years to go, man. Um, yeah, we'll be there one day. <laughs> 
But yeah, I definitely won't look as good as he does at 45. So we better hurry this up. <laughs> Kev, thank you so much for being on this very unorthodox episode. And this will definitely not be our last um, stand-up special. I still have a lot to catch up with you. There are a lot of comics that you and I both like that you know we talked about that could have easily been the topic mm-hmm. of today's show. But the presentation here was too, it just looks so good. And I know that like I'm really harping on that, but like the flow and everything, it flows like a TV show or like a right. short film. It's really great. And we couldn't pass this moment up. I do want to ask you a couple questions before you leave though. Okay. A couple of rapid fire cues. Oh um, boy. The first one is a softball. You know, what's your favorite joke from the set? If you remember, we talked about the donut hole joke. That was like a visual. Are there any jokes that you like go back on or you're just sitting at home and you think of and it just makes you cackle? Yeah, I guess because he does have like literally like six different styles of telling jokes. Yeah. So I could try to pick a few different ones. But yes, like the donut hole one is one of my favorites. It's just silly and like funny. Plus the drawings, it just adds like the cherry on top he had a joke in there about (laughs) finding horoscopes like more accurate when he lives his life uh (laughs) what is it he lives his life less specifically yeah yeah (laughs) um i don't want to give much away but it's like oh hey uh what are you doing tomorrow, Joan? And he's like, oh, you know, making some decisions, some choices in life. <laughs> got to make some big choices. In life. Yeah. Um, I found that hilarious because everyone knows, you know, horoscopes could be pretty funny and vague. Um, he talks about a near-death experiences and someone having a near-death experience and kind of dying right after that near-death experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. Like, oh, you see the light and you start to see your family members that have passed and then you kind of fade back and they're like, oh, it's not your time. We'll see you soon. But then he dies back immediately and everyone's like, oh, shit, hurry back up. Everyone back get, in place. Get back in formation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in formation. He's coming back. Um, I do like one of my favorite drawing ones. And I think the word that I'll use to describe his his just kind of sense of humor and his jokes is just like delightful. It's just like fun to mm-hmm. watch. Even, mm-hmm. even if I'm not laughing out loud, it's just like so entertaining. I really like the one where he draws the t-shirt and then the a, a shirt <laughs> in different letters. Like a, there was a P shirt. And it's a just like so silly. Instead but of like, a t-shirt, yeah. yeah. He like draws them out. <laughs> I really like that one. That one's really fun. Um, that whole segment with like his illustrations are so clever. I've got another question for you. If you mm-hmm. had to, so we talked about the three elements that he, so that stood out to us, the voiceover, the art and the music. If you had to be a professional voiceover or a vocal actor a painter <laughs> or a musician which one of those three would you would you choose out of the three yeah i'm successful in all three no you depending well, which i choose yeah depending on which one you choose you'll be successful in that for sure not voiceover but here's the thing like to do voice acting you have to have some what of a nice voice right yeah your voice would be incredible which you pick, <laughs> oh my god thank you sir thank you um you i mean it already it's face. already great that's why you're an incredible podcaster <laughs> but you would be famous for it and very successful i think if you pick vo what vo would offer you is being a voice actor you'd live a very you can you can live out in public 
you know, your face isn't out there. If yeah. you're a painter, the world of art, that's a very different environment. And if you're a musician, you'd have to pick, you know, what kind of music you're in. You'd be, it'd be very facey, I think. Uh, yeah, that's rough. Because I feel like if I did have this great all-time voice, I would probably want to use it in music instead of voice acting. It's a solid point. <laughs> but but singing and, and voice acting. <laughs> I mean, it is very different. But I don't know if I'm okay with having, like, this face that's well known out there which is kind of part of being a musician like you have to be known you kind of lose that privacy or you can if i want that or you can wear a mask like uh sia sia wears a mask yeah, yeah. daft punk daft uh, punk but then i'd have to tour i don't know man uh or you cannot you can be like <laughs> frank ocean and like he doesn't really perform a lot you're right i can make my own rules right you can make your own I, rules, I, man. I this probably, is 2019. And arts and paintings, I don't know. You've you never wanted to, to be, be Picasso. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we can rule that very, one out. You'd have to be very indoorsy and spend like a lot of time in a studio, which is cool. Um, but Yeah, nothing against artists. Yeah. Painters. Um, I wish I could draw. So I'm leaning towards music, man. Music. Dope. What kind of music would you make? Uh, country <laughs> yeah you know like a little bit of a country hip-hop mix um nice that's on the up um, that's town. on the up, and up. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no I'm, I'm not sure it'd be r&b-ish alternative type uh with nice mellow instrumentals yeah i like it <laughs> i never I like really it. thought about this but hey you're putting me on the you're spot speaking it to existence yeah um, i'm making it happen and this is the sort of last question, and I guess it's just a game. So I'm going to start a line and you can finish the joke. So, for example, a dog walks into a bar. Wow. And you um, have to finish the line. So you're like leaving me with like 70% of the joke left. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll continue the joke. So a dog walks into a bar. A cat is bartending. The cat says, the usual, the dog. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I wouldn't be good at this. Um, He says uh, some wolfski on the rocks, please. Yeah, I don't know. That's good. <laughs> That's great for just like off the, off the dome. Yeah, that was awful. That's great. Okay, we'll do another one. Let's do... We'll do. Let's do like a very simple. So, so why did the chicken cross the road? Is that the the line? Is a chicken? Is it a chicken? I don't know, but in this case, it is. We'll do that. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get away from Purdue Farms. <laughs> nice, very nice. Stable. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a darker one, but not really much of a joke. The last one will be why did the cow wait, i don't know why i'm sticking to animals i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> yeah why we're just doing animals let's strike out for the third time on this one let's see what you have that's the i think second baseball reference in this <laughs> podcast which is great because i don't watch a lot of baseball i know you're a huge baseball fan oh uh, this one will be more of a story a guy walks into the bar hmm. he goes up to the bartender 
The bartender says, the usual. He goes. <laughs> oh, man. Very yeah, nice. This was successful. Oh. <laughs> Dude, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm, no, thank you for having me. Hopefully, you'll be back. Hopefully, I didn't scare you away. I'll I'll be a better storyteller or joke teller next time. So no, well, you're not limited to stand up <laughs> comedy. We can do a we can do a TV show, a film next time. We'll get some of that. Your full because you've got a lot of range, Kev. You do a lot of things. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, maybe we'll be doing the first episode on a short or something. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Maybe but we'll see. You're breaking Keep me out of my toes. yeah. You're breaking me out of my <laughs> comfort zone. And for people who want to know more about the cool things that you do, where they where uh, where can they follow you? You can follow my personal life at same old Kev on Instagram and Twitter, or you could just follow my Finsta uh, at Soft Glass. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, at same old Kev. That is S A M E. O-L-D-K-E-V. Very nice. And yeah. that's on both Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, and probably other stuff that I don't use, like Tumblr, Flickr, my, no, not MySpace, but yeah, mm. what's the your, basics. What's your phone number so that people can um, text you? And your address? <laughs> um, That's going to be 368 on Lincoln Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll bleep all that out. I'm joking. None of that is right, but... <laughs> um, hey again thank you for having me dude of course man that was this week's show if you like what you hear please subscribe you can hear new episodes of Seymour every week on Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and remember Seymour is just one of many shows that Cesspool has to offer for more info visit cesspoolnetwork.com to see our full weekly lineup or follow at Cesspool Network on Twitter and Instagram you can follow me personally on Twitter at Juwan underscore chirps on Instagram at Juwan underscore snaps or follow what I watch on Letterboxd at Juwan Gonzalez see you next week Thank you.